The Lord is good, isn't he? Let's stand together and open our, our Bibles to 1 uh, Corinthians. Uh, we've been talking about a blueprint for life and, and uh, really felt like I kind of wrapped that up, but just felt compelled that we had not dealt with the last couple of, of, of sentences in this verse. Next week, we're going to start talking about faith. You know, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. What does that mean? And what does practical faith look like in our life? How does faith really impact our lives? And how do we see the world uh, because of faith? And we're going to take four or five weeks and talk about that topic. What is real faith? And I'll tell you, there's all kinds of things out there today about faith from the, this, the far end where people almost say that if you believe the right thing, God has to do what, he, what you want him to do. And all the way to the other end that, uh, you know, miracles and the things of God like that don't happen in our life today. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about faith over these next several weeks. And I think it will be a blessing to your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I get, give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. This is a very simple, clear statement that every believer needs to know. If our motives are wrong... It matters. Do you get it? If our motives are wrong, it matters. If our motives are selfish, it, it destroys the foundation of everything we do, no matter how good the work may be. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Father, we know that your son came into a broken world. We know clearly, Father, from just looking at the fruit of the world, What's going on in our world? Tragedies and murders and, Father, countries fighting against countries, homes being torn and split apart. Father, from the smallest to the biggest area, we see the corruption of a world that doesn't know how to live right, doesn't feel right, is broken from the inside. And, Lord, we know that your word comes to us to show us a new way. So today, speak to us. Let us be healthy and whole. Let us be yours. And Father, let us be a shining light in the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. This verse and these passages are passages that uh, most people growing up around the church uh, have heard many, many times. And, and it I don't want to just challenge you that it's easy for us to just glide past them, to just kind of read them and to not really take a moment 
and think deeply about what they're saying and what they mean to us. I, I would challenge you today that I, I think that maybe, maybe after grace that God offers us, uh, this may be the most dramatic, world-changing concept that the Bible presents to us. I mean, we could argue about that and debate that, and that would be fun, but I just want to really push that this is a huge world-changing concept that we're given. Uh, agape, this challenge to be a people who want the best for others, reaches right into each of our lives. It, it, when lived out, it impacts our homes. When lived out, it will impact our workplace. When people begin to live it out, when you live it out, it will impact the way you see church and the way you see a nation. Agape impacts how we see racially. And it tears down the divisions. It, it impacts our, our vision demographically and how we see people who are different than us or live in different places than us. It, it impacts the way we see people and the way we walk through life and see ourselves and see others socially. Uh, agape, when agape rules in our life, Agape changes our values. It changes our priorities. It changes the purpose of your life and how you feel fulfilled in life. Agape rewrites how we see life. Agape speaks to our personal identity, who we are, where we get a sense of who and what we are. When people ask us about ourselves and, or we ask ourselves about ourselves, it puts a new spin on how we see ourselves. It moves us from looking and living from the inside, from a desire for self, from a focus on self, to living with a view of the outside. And my purpose in being a blessing to others. Without agape, life is pretty selfish. And I live for my good with agape. Fulfillment comes even in the sacrifice of life when we live for the good of others. Can you imagine what the world would be like if people live that way. If we talk to each other that way. What a different world it would be. This concept changes everything. And yet, we have a tendency to skim over it like we get it. When it fundamentally impacts every aspect of our life when we begin to understand unless we live with love for others, agape for others, 
that all of our actions come to nothing. I, I was going to let this last verse go, but I, I, I just couldn't. This whole passage in 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage about relationships. Now, truly, it's mainly, I mean, the main focus of it, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you discover it's how we act in the church and how we function as a body of believers with our talents and our resources and our gifts, that they are all about us using them for the good of others, the highest good for others. And, that, and it shows us what our proper attitude should be. But this is this foundational call towards ministry and towards gifts spills out into huger implications throughout our life in the way we live each other that is supported throughout the entirety of the world, of the Word, when the Word teaches us that, that the second great commandment is that we agape, that we love one another as we love ourselves. The foundation of all we must do and all we must be is around this word love, around agape. And agape in its simplest terms as we've talked over the last several weeks is to desire the best for others. This verse, these verses apply to healthy relationships, fairly healthy ones, to toxic relationships, even though, as we've said many times, the toxic one needs boundaries built into them. Because it is about the inner desire of our lives. See, at the inner desire of my life, even if I'm in a relationship that is toxic towards me, the person is manipulative or, or angry or selfish, and, and I've got to put some boundaries up, I can still have a desire for them for the best. I don't have to get bitter or angry. Maybe somebody's been abusive. I don't have to become like them. I can still respond to what Christ has taught me and want the best for them even while I set, even while I set some boundaries about how close I can allow them to become. I can still be this person who personally acts in agape towards them, doing what I see the best towards them, even while they're doing what is the worst towards us. This is why Jesus looks at and says, you see your enemy? Give him a cup of water. You see him hungry? Feed him. Keep responding in the best towards them the best towards them, instead of in how, they're, in how they're treating you. Don't get down in the middle of that and let your heart be formed by them. Let your heart be formed by who God has made us to be. Now, in this, these last couple of verses here, it, it really focuses you know, strongly on the healthier relationships. The main challenge of agape is in what we do and don't do. And in verse 7, we, we find the same thing. But verse 7 challenges us in really to really consider how we see each other from the very beginning. These are, these are a step-by-step actions and attitudes that we're to carry. Listen to verse 7 as, as I read it again. Love bears all things. Love 
believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Agape bears all things. Think about, if you want to get an idea of what this means, think about the action of Jesus on the cross. What did he do on the cross? He bore, he carried our sins. He took them on himself to pay the price for us. He carried the weight of them to the cross so we could be free from them. Agape feels, senses, the weight of the other person's actions. There's two sides of that. Agape celebrates the great victories and the talents. It's not jealous of them. We've talked about jealousy. It, it celebrates those. It sees those in other people, and it senses this, the kind of joy in their accomplishment, the kind of joy in their gifts and their talents, as if they were their own joy, as if they, they, were, their, they were their own talents and their own abilities. They don't covet them that they wish they could take them. They celebrate what the other person is. They're not jealous of them because of the position they gain because of what they have. They celebrate and are happy for what they have for them, recognizing that God's big enough to give us exactly what we need. It sets all that stuff aside of competition. I used to, as my kids were growing up and there would be something going on, I would, I would look at them many times and I'd say, listen, it's a celebration, not a competition. We celebrate with each other. We're not competing against each other. We celebrate what your sisters can do. We celebrate what your brother can do. We, can, we celebrate what each other can do. We don't compete trying to take something away from them. But agape also feels the pain of their losses. But here's where it really gets tricky. It also senses to some level the guilt of their sin and their failure. Not, not, they may not feel the guilt of it yet. They, might, they, may, they may not sense it yet. But agape love does. See, the main emphasis of this word that's used here for bearing seems to mean that agape wants to protect the sinner. It, it wants to cover the sin. The sin against the person who has agape, if you possess this love in your spirit towards others and they sin against you, as we've talked, it bears that sin with patience instead of anger. Think about this in, in these terms. Mother's Day was last week. We had a great time. The mother who hopes her child will grow up and stop being whatever they're being, mean-spirited or uh, lazy or inconsiderate. And they bear the words that that son or that daughter says to them. And they bear them with patience and with kindness, believing 
But they're going to grow out of this someday. They're going to grow up someday. They're going to stop this someday. And they bear that without growing bitter and angry, without growing in a a destructive way towards the child. The Christian brother is also called, the Christian is called to become aware, as we become aware of another person's sinful actions, to bear that to an extent that we pray for them, that we challenge them, that we love them and reach out to them wanting the best for them without becoming enraged, bitter, or gossipy about somebody else's sin. Agape takes it on itself. It feels it. It is concerned by it. And it certainly doesn't spread the word. See, agape is not a gossip. It's the sin nature that finds joy in another person's failings. It's the sin nature that finds joy in talking about another person's failings. It's the sin nature that likes to sit in a little group of friends and say, did you hear about? Do you know what they did? That's the sin nature that finds some satisfaction inside of that. And that makes them feel like we're more righteous or we're better or we, you know, here, here's the kind of thing. You, you hear something about somebody and, 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 and you know, their, their failure makes you feel better than. That's the sin nature. That's not agape. Instead of seeing with patience and with a desire for restoring to truth, we delight in the story. But agape is a redeemer. That's one of these great pictures of Jesus, this great lover who, re- who works to redeem us, to rescue us from our failing, to rescue us from our sin, to bring us out and to help us be the men and women that we were created by God originally to be, to raise us above all of those things and to free us from the slavery of sin. That's the heart of agape. And that's the heart that Christ calls us to when we see others and we see their sin and we become aware of their failings. It it builds on this thought that agape bears it. It feels it. It senses it. It it doesn't want to, no more than I want to go and talk about my failings, do I want to go talk about somebody else's failings. No more do I want my failings on the big screen. I don't want to put their failings on the big screen. I want the best for them. I pray for their restoration and for their hope and for their good. But now it moves past that and, 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 and the Spirit of God leads us and it says that agape believes all things. He, fundamentally, agape wants to trust. It wants to trust. Agape assumes the best. It doesn't assume the worst. It doesn't look at the leader and assume that they're a manipulative control freak. 
that it looks at the leader and, and assumes they see the big picture. That's why they're the leader. They've got a good idea about where we need to go, whether, wherever that leader may be. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see if we can follow this leader. It assumes, it looks for the best. When somebody does something in our life that we don't like, it assumes the intent is the best. Believing all things is, again, the natural setting of the believer. This is huge in many day-to-day relationships. I mean, just how do I see that other person in my life? How do I see my wife? How do I see my husband? How do I see my kids? How do I see my friends? Do I believe that they really want to do the best thing or am I cynical and believe they're manipulating me and controlling me? It assumes the best. Now, the interesting thing about this and assuming the best is when you talk, right here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how love acts. And, and now it's telling us that love fundamentally, listen, fundamentally, the foundation, believes all things, wants to believe all things. And yet, one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment. Boy, that that seems a little conflicting, doesn't it? That one of the gifts, one of the things the Spirit allows us to do is to learn how to to, to discern what's going on in, in, in in other people's lives and what they mean. At the foundation, though, of using discernment, At the core of discernment is the desire to trust. The desire to to see the best. And so that even in this discernment, it has to be proven wrong. It doesn't assume wrong. It has to be proven wrong. Listen, the Christian doesn't mind being taken advantage of every now and then. The Christian kind of takes that as the course of life. I'm going to put my belief in you. I'm going to trust you. And if you take advantage of me, if you take advantage of that trust, okay, now I'll I'll know a little bit more. But at the core of the believer, the believer says, what you've done here is far worse than what you've you've taken advantage of me in. It's you've, you've, you've begun to wreck trust. Discernment helps us walk through these things. But fundamentally, if my discernment, if my attitude is, I don't trust anyone, I don't, they've got to prove it to me before I trust them. That is the sign of a wounded soul, of a broken soul. Instead of one of, I'm going to choose to believe the best until proven otherwise. It assumes that even when, listen, even when the actions are disliked, that the motive is correct. Mom and Dad, do you remember when you made a decision and your kids didn't like it, but you knew it was the right decision? When my kids were about 13, 12, 13 years old, just going into that age of, 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 of adolescence, and I, I remember I sat with every one of them. And so, okay, the next five or six years, this is either going to go easy or it's going to go hard. 
You know, we're, in the next five or six years, you're going to have some desires. You're going to want to stretch your wings a bit. Some things are going to happen between now and the time you graduate high school. And, there's, and I'm going to let you, as you prove it to me, as we go through this, I'm going to let you stretch your wings a little bit. I'm going to put my confidence in you. I'm going to trust you first. But there's going to come times when I'm going to come in and say, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, you can't go there. Nope, you can't be a part of that. Nope, we're not going to talk that way. No, nope, we're not going to be a part of those kind of things. And you're going to have to make up your mind right now. You need to make up your mind. Are you going to trust that I want the best for you and that I have more life experience than you and let me be your dad? Are you going to buck against it? Because I'm just telling you, sitting here face to face, I'm going to insist upon it even when you buck against it. So this can go smooth or it can go hard. And there were times when it went really smooth. And there were times when it went really hard. That's the parent's role. That's what we're supposed to do. But as we, I, I just use that as an illustration for us to understand. Sometimes in our life, people, maybe in authority or people who are related to us, do something that we don't like. If our first assumption is they are trying to steal from me or hurt me or destroy me or do something negative, then that really lays a poor foundation for relationship. If my first assumption, if I, if my, if I naturally want to go to, you know what, I believe even when I don't like this, that they had my best interests at heart, they didn't understand everything. Uh, if, my, if my attitude's there, now I've got a, a foundation I can build upon to build relationship. Doesn't mean there's not some tough talks. But it means that, that, that I believe the motive is the best thing. That their motive is for the best thing. Agape gives the benefit of the doubt. And, and it seems naive, but in reality, agape carries with it a refusal to be corrupted by a world that is broken. A refusal to see the world maybe the way the world deserves to be seen. But to first of all see the world through a belief for good. And then to work your way through it. Agape demands evidence, and until agape put, but until then, agape puts the best light on the subject. Remember, we are talking about how we think about others. This is a fundamental huge step. Do I see others with suspicion? When others do something I don't like, do I assume the worst? How long do I carry that thought in my mind? I know what they're like. I've seen what they're like. Even when dozens of other actions prove something differently, am I still holding on to the one action that I didn't like? that I didn't appreciate? Am I still allowing myself to be bitter over one thing when there may be a dozen other things that show them, that would show you that really what they're trying to do is, is best even if you didn't like the one decision? 
Who do you see with suspicion? Instead of giving them some, giving them and, uh, some, uh, some, the benefit of the doubt and putting some faith in them until proven otherwise. Agape calls us to believe. To believe. To give a chance to them. And, and that builds into this next thing, which is this. Agape hopes all things. Agape recognizes that with the Lord, nothing is hopeless. You know, there, there's, a, there's a few sayings that I really don't like. Uh, one of them is, oh, you know, a leopard doesn't change his spots. And you know, we'll use that about somebody who's done something we don't like. Now, I recognize there's a level of truth in that statement. A leopard doesn't change his spots, but God does. God can change anything. And so this agape calls us, again, now, how do I see this person who after me bearing their sin, after me believing in them, has still completely disappointed me? They're still making terrible decisions. They're still talking in terrible ways. They're still abusive. They're still stealing from me. They're still doing all of these things to me. How do I see them now? And now it calls me to this other level where it says hope for them. Still see them with hope. The addiction may have a hold of them and it may be controlling their life. Their selfishness may have a hold of them and may be controlling their life. Some other thing may have a hold and may be controlling their life. But I'm going to see past that. I'm going to see further than that. I'm going to see what God could do in them if they ever surrendered their heart to God. I'm going to continue to hope for them. The child's sin may seem to have them in total slavery, but hope lives on. God is still good. God is still a redeemer. This is one of the great gifts of a mother's love is to be able to see the potential in that stinky little kid. <laughs> to see the greatness in him when everybody else is just seeing the smart mouth brat. A mother's love sees past all of that. And that's what God calls us to. To see past it. I'll tell you, I, I think this is one of the gifts that God gave me when, when I was a, a youth pastor. I, I could see past the immaturity. I could see past the attitudes and where they were in life. And, and God so many times gave me the, the ability to see the potential. And I will tell you, many, many times, that potential did not surface very quickly. And there's some of them, I'm still waiting on it to surface. But you know what? When God gives you agape, you can begin to see what they could be instead of what they are. You still hope for that. You still believe for that. You don't give up in that. You don't lay it aside. You don't stop praying. You don't stop believing. You keep hoping and looking. The day is going to come when the Spirit of God is going to move and give them revelation like He's given it to you. And something's going to transform in their life. Our job is to walk. Remember, David, King David, was the forgotten child. He was out. He, he was out watching the sheep when, when Samuel shows up to anoint a new king until he looks at all the other brothers 
that, that and, and, you know, David's dad was going, it's got to be one of them. And he goes, no, it's, it's got to be somebody else. Do you have another son? You have another? Well, we got this young one. He's out there. We leave him with the sheep all night because none of us can stand him. He's out there and the, drives us all crazy. No, bring him in. Love sees, love sees the potential. Love hopes for the good. Love doesn't give up. There's always this thought, if they'll just let God. So you're bearing things. <laughs> you're, you're believing for good things, and you've come to this point where, wow, believing's really hard. But hope continues because we know what God does. And then the, the Holy Spirit says, agape endures all things. Endurance. This is the final fruit of bearing and believing and hoping. Can you see how this passage changes the world? I, I hope you can see the great life change that God is bringing through his kingdom into the world. How different his kingdom is from the world. Agape is the preset to heaven. It's the preset to our relationships and to life in heaven when all of our motives are right and when sin has been swept away. This is heaven. Agape is heaven in the midst of a fallen world. This is God's people offering a new way of living to a world that is so selfish, so self-centered, so inward, so much about ourselves and getting from ourselves that we don't put up with somebody else's failings. We see with a doubtful eye. We don't believe they can ever overcome, and therefore we don't put up with anything. This is God saying, nope, wrong way. It's this way. It's this way. Come walk this. This is the way the world will really work. This is God's people offering a new way of living. Do you see the difference does it excite you and challenge you to say, listen, I I'm not supposed to see the way the world sees. I I'm supposed to live in a new way towards the world. That's what I challenge us to today. To pick up this call, to see the world in a different way. To walk with agape. Agape is not naive but real. It bears the burden without being formed by it. Did you get that? It bears the burden of the failure without being formed by the failure. It longs for the good and it gives it a chance. It hopes for an outcome that others have given up on. Agape continues. It endures it pushes aside the anger and the frustration and the giving up. And agape keeps trying even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. Agape does the right thing. Agape endures in the long walk of life.
Copy endures. One, one, one writer talking about this term uh, said this. He said it's a military term. The word used here for, for endures is a military term that alludes back to, uh, in, in the Greek, to a, an army holding, listen, an army holding a vital position, a vital position at all costs. This is, this is the position the general puts a group of guys in and says, you don't give this one up, guys. If you give this one up, everything else is lost. Everything else fails. Everybody else dies. You've got to stay here till the last man. You've got to make sure we don't lose this position because it puts everybody else at risk. That's the word that's used here. It says you endure. You stand in love. You continue to bear. You continue to believe. You continue to hope. You continue to live in this because it's right here where the kingdom stands or falls. Endure. The next little line is love never fails. It endures. It stands. Agape holds fast to those, in a, to those in a believer's life. We keep believing for them, praying for them, responding to them, being the light of the world to them, caring about them. We know how, how we have been saved, and we know how others can be as well. Another writer put it this way, Love bears what is otherwise unbearable. Love believes what is otherwise unbelievable. Love hopes for what otherwise is hopeless. Love endures when anything less than love would give up. Love bears, love, after love bears, it believes. After love believes, it hopes. After love hopes, it endures. There is no after for endurance, for endurance is unending because love never fails. Brothers and sisters, as followers of Christ, I want to challenge you as we walk out into this world that we live in every day. The, ch the church is supposed to be a new world, a new culture, in an old world. A shining hill in a dark world. The gathering of people that we call the church uh, does not make sense. And the world's supposed to see that. This group of people here, the group of people that come into the church, diverse in every way but one. The reality of our connection should probably blow apart in a few minutes. The elements inside of the, of the church would normally be combustible. Different viewpoints, different ways we're raised, different ages, different economic backgrounds, different educational backgrounds, different political backgrounds, all of that in itself. There seems to be little reason to stay together or a foundation to build upon except Jesus changes hearts and calls us to love one another. He gifts us and tells us to use those gifts in agape to care for each other. He transforms our eyes through love to bear with one another, 
to believe the best about one another, to hope for Him to work and to endure until heaven is our home and all the junk of this world that divides us is left behind and we are unified for eternity. This is the call of the church. In the high priestly prayer, where Jesus prays for us before he goes to the cross. We read these words in John chapter 17. Jesus' prayer. I do not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through, through their word. He's just been praying for the disciples and those who have been his followers. I'm not just praying for them. I'm praying for those who will believe in me through their word. You know who that makes up? That's us. We believe in Jesus through the word of the apostles that have been passed on to us. And here's his prayer. That they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world, will, so the world may know that you sent me and love them as you love me. He says, here's the picture. These people who come to know me, Lord, I'm praying, Father in heaven, I'm praying that as you and I are one, that they'll be one in us. That they'll come into us and they'll be one together. What does that mean? That means that our hearts will beat the same way. That our values will be the same values. That we'll respond from the same fundamental place which is all based on us loving God and wanting the best, loving each other. Jesus shows us the way. The question is, will we follow? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, there's probably not one of us in this room <clears throat> that has, hasn't been touched by the pain of broken people in a broken world. Most likely there's not one of us in this room that haven't spread that pain from our brokenness through our words or our actions to other people in the world. And today, Lord, we come before you and we hear this call to a new kingdom, to a new way of seeing the world that begins with us giving up a world that is about us and seeing the world through agape, wanting the best for others. And so right now, Father, across this room, if there's some decision we're in, some argument we're in, some dispute we're a part of, some relationship where, Father, it's being driven, our aspect is being driven by our selfishness, Lord, I just pray you'd bring that to our, to our mind right now. You'd speak to us right now. 
and that, Lord, we'd be willing to take on the truth of 1 Corinthians 13 and change the fundamental way we approach that relationship. The pledge that we took, Father, we came and took a card saying, I want to live by the standard of agape, that we would see that clearly and begin to apply it in our lives. Help us to be shining lights in a dark world. And help the church, Father, with all of our diverseness of age and styles and tastes and backgrounds and racial makeups. Let it all be ruled by agape, we pray. By your love ruling in us so that we would be a shining light to a dark world of what your society would be if we submitted to you. Help us and guide us in that, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As everybody has about every eye closed, prayer teams, would you come on down to the front? While they're stepping out and coming, are you a follower of Christ? What does that mean? Have you decided to live Christ's way? Have you put your faith in him for heaven? and decide to follow him as a servant of Christ. Have you done that? Have you said, okay, the work you did on the cross, I'm going to trust that for my salvation, and I'm going to receive you as the Savior and Lord of my life. Have you done that? If you have, you say, today I'd like to. I'd like to, I'd like to submit my life, put my faith in Christ to be my Savior and trust him to be my Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I'm going to wait just a second. Just raise your hand right now and say, pray for me. Yeah, God bless you. Others today, you raise your hand and say, pray for me. Anyone else? Father, you've seen these hands today. We thank you for them. We pray that your assurance of your love would be in their heart and that, Lord, we would completely, totally submit ourselves unto you. I thank you for this congregation. And Father, I pray that you teach us the way of love, Lord, and to rise above the conflict of this world for the glory of your kingdom. And the weeks ahead as we talk about faith, let us grow in every measure of how we live to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song, and as we sing, if you have a prayer request today, a need today, come on down, let somebody pray with you. If you raise your hand, come on down, let somebody pray with you. Today, I would challenge you, if you're struggling with somebody, you're struggling in a relationship, come down, let somebody pray with you today. We believe God changes things when we ask Him. So as you have a need, you step out and come. In Jesus' name, and then Dan will dismiss you. God bless you today. Love you.